Good evening, everyone, and um, welcome to our podcast this evening. And uh, we're going to be talking in a few minutes about a, um, a pretty cool ecosystem-oriented uh, concept and an actual animal. Um, I title this Our Neighbors, the Squirrels, and that's because um, you, they are a native of our forests, but uh, they've become just as adaptable as we are to become a, a neighbor in the city and a neighbor in the suburbs. So pretty interesting character, the Eastern Gray Squirrel, and we'll get into that in a minute. Um, I invite you right now, though, to, uh, to make yourself comfortable. And um, my mini frustration or um, disappointment is that uh, after getting to do my podcast last week from the Berkshires in Massachusetts, um, I thought that I was going to be able to get um, to the beach in time for um, tonight's uh, podcast. And um, that was not to be the case. Um, so um, I will try to do it next uh next week if possible because I think it would be fun um sunsets around 7 30 these days anyway and if I could get myself a uh a nice little um you know I don't need a seat I just need to sit on the sand by the by the surf um that would be a great spot um to do a podcast so I you know um but one little consolation prize could end up being the thunderstorm I'm sitting out in my uh sun deck area sunroom area that is and um it's nice and gray out air's pretty uh laden with moisture and i believe there's a, um, a forecast for a uh a passing thunderstorm so if we're lucky to get that um that'll just add but uh in the meantime i invite you to, to again get yourself comfortable in in any way that you can or any way that makes sense to you and we will get into it um so here we go there's this place, a place where we dive and delve into the wonders of our surroundings, where the law's consilience, a jumping together of knowledge, forming a bridge that strongly connects the sciences, the arts, the humanities, a place where natural systems and human systems coexist in harmony, where connections are sought between humans and nature, humans and humans, nature and nature. And yes, a place where land, the living layers of earth, is an equal member of the community with rights just like humans. In this special place, the sense of wonder is our sustenance. You've just arrived at the land health ecosystem. So yes, tonight we are gonna be talking about our neighbors, the squirrels. So how well do you know your neighbors? Uh, depending on where you live, um, you might know some well, you, you might not know some. Um, do you know that you even have neighbors? Um, in today's world, you know, all these questions are probably pretty relevant. And, uh, you know, are you aware that there's a reasonably good chance that um, squirrels are living in your midst, um, regardless of where you live? So, um, you know, if you live in the city or the suburbs, there's a really good chance that um, among your uh, neighbors are, you know, you might have some Smiths and Jones and whatever, um, but you might have the squirrels. And the squirrels would be the Eastern gray variety. Um, 
Sciurus carolinensis is the uh, scientific name. And um, these animals, these rodents, they're native um, to, uh, to Philadelphia and vicinity. Um, unlike some other city uh, dwelling animals that some of us are familiar with, um, like Norway rats, pigeons, um, Asian earthworms, um, they're all from other places. Northern snakeheads, if you're if into fishing. Um, but, uh, you know, squirrels are, on our, are often in our midst. And um, they, actually, um, they actually were here before, uh, um, you know, the white Europeans came and uh, did what they've done to our uh, North American areas here. So anyway, um, uh, squirrels have always been here. And um, it's amazing how much we have in common with squirrels, or flipping it, how much in common squirrels have with us. And it's really, um, it's full of wonder to me, um, because they are just a rodent. You know, they are mammals just like we are, but um, the rodent class of mammals is not among the, uh, the, the higher level mammals. And, um, but, uh, you know, it, like squirrels, are amazingly adaptable. They have an amazing amount of intelligence. They can learn, they can figure things out. And, uh, you know, uh, they, um, they're just like, they're, they're, they're fascinating in that, you know, they, they eat nuts. That's not so fascinating. That's what they, that's what they like to eat. Um, among the nuts they eat are black walnuts. And probably, you know, give or take, um, the black walnut equates to the size of their brain. And, uh, but you know that be as it is um, that 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 brain enables them to do really remarkable things, and I believe you know from my own observations continue to adapt and, and continue to get more intelligent. Um, but even if, if you if you kind of go away from that for a second and and think about you know what you might know of squirrels, or I mean just you know close your eyes and picture you know a, a, a squirrel. What image to you comes to mind? But you know. As far as humans are concerned, um, we might find them to be among the more charismatic animals in our midst. You know, think about it. They can sit up tall on their, on their hind legs. Um, they, uh, you know, flashing their, uh, the weight of their, uh, of their chest there. Um, they can hold things in their front paws, like really cute. I mean, it's like, it's, they're with, they have four fingers on, the, on their front paws, but they, they, they literally do like resemble more um, hands than, um, than, than, you know, than, uh, than like the paws on, on your dog or your cat. Um, they, they really seem to make eye contact. And so when you put that, that stuff together, you know, sitting upright, um, hands, cute little baby, you know, hands, everybody likes hands, um, you know, making eyes at the squirrel, the squirrel making eyes at you. How can you not want to connect with something like this? So, so again, there's, there's connections at all levels. Um, but, uh, you know, there's, I think there's a lot of levels, um, that, that we, in which we connect with these social animals, these smart animals, these resourceful animals. And, um, you know, also like think about other wild animals, um, that, uh, that, that are, that you might be aware of. Is there, is there one that comes to mind that you could more likely or appropriately call your neighbor? You know, there's, you know, um, you might not want to say that. I doubt you'd say that about um, the rat or the uh, 
the, the pigeon that, that uh, makes its way through the um, underpasses of the city. Um, you know, but, uh, but, but think about it. What, what other animal, we'll talk a little bit um, about deer, I'll mention briefly later on in, in the uh, podcast, but um, you might live in the suburbs and have deer from time to time, but, but, but is your deer um, that, live, that walks through your yard, is, is, is your deer being neighborly? Does, does, does your deer check you out as if it might want to like come over to you? Um, deer get brazen and they get, and they start to realize, wow, we can, um, we pretty much have, have added when it comes to like, you know, free vegetables in the form of our, uh, shrubs and things and tulips that, 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 um, that suburban residents plant out there. But, uh, but they don't play with us for the most part. You know, you, you take enough steps towards them and they're just off and, and they're, they're pretty aloof. Not the case with squirrels, as we'll see. So another interesting thing that, that, I, that I think connects us to our neighbors is we kind of live parallel lives, you know, the squirrels and us humans. Um, and there's, just like humans, there's city squirrels, just like there's city humans, and there's suburban squirrels. And you know what? Just like there's, you can kind of, you often can generalize what a city dweller is like as opposed to a suburban dweller and vice versa. Um, you know, it's the same thing with, uh, with, with, with squirrels. Um, city squirrels act in a certain way, okay? And um, suburban squirrels act in a certain way. So um, it's just, just like us, you know, we, they, they learn to be adaptable and, uh, and, and their lives reflect it. You know, some, some quick similarities. Um, you know, if, if, you, if you live in the suburbs or the, uh, or the city and you like to go take a walk, um, when do people like to take their walks for the most part? A lot of times um, kind of early-ish in the morning and, you know, some other people like to take their walks in the evening. Um, when are squirrels active? They're the same time. They're, they're pretty much most active in the morning and in the evening. They are not nocturnal. And uh, even though, you know, several of us might pull on nighters and stuff, neither we, at least as according to our biology. And um, squirrels also, they don't hibernate. They're active all year long. You can, you can find them out frolicking in the snow just as much as you can um, find them frolicking in a heat wave. So they don't hibernate, they're around us. Um, we don't hibernate. Um, this might be a year where we want to hibernate, but um, again, our biologies say we are not hibernators. And, uh, you know, same thing with squirrels. Squirrels like to play. I, I hope everyone on this podcast, you know, enjoys playing. Um, squirrels are social, playful animals. Um, you know, watch them uh, chase each other around a tree. Um, it, it, it makes you want to want to join in in the, in the uh, frolicking that they're doing. Um, so they're, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're like, they're like kids, smart kids. Another thing about squirrels and humans, those that, that are lucky enough, um, squirrels have summer homes and they have winter homes and they construct them differently. You, you um, probably don't know what the summer home of a squirrel looks like because their homes are typically in the trees. They're arboreal for the most part. And, um, the, uh, and so they'll use green leaves pretty much and some twigs and they'll give themselves a shabby place to kind of hang out for the night um, in that tree. But interestingly, when it comes to their winter homes, which you can see, um, 
they they build them out of dead leaves and then twigs and other things that they uh, you know might want to tie tie together in there. But they the, their um, their winter homes are more well constructed, tightly constructed um, than their summer homes are. So um, you know, go figure. But uh, but you know, there, there's there's a difference to how they um, how they get themselves situated depending on what the season is. So um, um, pretty uh, pretty cool animals in my opinion. So there's been some uh, you know like squirrels are semi charismatic, meaning a lot of people think they're pretty cool. A lot of people I think don't give them a second thought. Um, they are no bald eagle, right? When it comes to uh, humans, um, you know, like looking at animals and revering animals and stuff. But they're also no Norway rat. They're somewhere in, in, in between. And, um, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to have this little podcast discussion is that um, I wouldn't be surprised if many people listening to this don't really pay much mind to squirrels. But, um, but they, uh, you know, they, they are worth paying mind to. So a little bit about their natural history. There's a book that I view as literally wonderful because it's full of wonder. And it's meaning it's just, it's, it's chapter after chapter of wonder. And, um, and it's written by this really cool guy, Kenneth Frank, and it's called The Ecology of Center City, Philadelphia. So first off, you know, think about that for a second. Who would write a book, not just on the ecology of Philly, let alone Pennsylvania or Eastern Pennsylvania? He literally takes a map, um, comes up with the, with the boundaries of Center City, and writes a really long book with all kinds of amazing um, stories about the different uh, living things within the city. And, and these are things that, that, that um, they're in his book only if they reside within Center City, which which as we all know is, is, is uh, if we live near here, um, it's tiny. Center City is just a little piece of the city. So here's somebody who wrote an entire book about it. Um, one, one thing I'll also say about this book is, if you're interested in it, look it up. Again, Ecology of Center City, Philadelphia, Kenneth D. Frank. Um, he wrote this book out of passion and love. And so that you, can, you can just download his book. You just look it up, you download it. Um, I'm an old school hard, well, it's, it's a softback, uh, but I, I like having books in my, uh, in, in, in my, in my reach. And so um, I do have his, uh, the actual hard copy of his book, but um, you, can, you could just download it now and you, can, uh, and you can page through it at your leisure. So in just chapter two, he highlights the Eastern Gray Squirrel. Scurious, um, I'm sorry, it's hard to pronounce for me, Scurious carolinensis. So, I right away go to a section where um, in, in, uh, in, 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 in Ken Frank's going through um, you know, some of the natural history, he's done a remarkable job of research where he finds early naturalists who characterize different areas of, of, of our city way, way back. And so, um, so early on in 1748, there was uh, Peter Kalm, and um, he was a Swedish naturalist, and he came to Philadelphia to document the, uh, the plants and the animals in our region. And um, what's interesting here is uh, Kalm wrote a book, and I'm going to look, at, I'm actually getting this from the, uh, 
the, the endnotes um, pages of, um, of Ken Frank's book, because this is what the book was called by, um, by Kelm after he uh, came to um, our city and other places. So it's a long title, but it's kind of interesting, and I'm gonna read from it in a second. It was called Travels into North America, containing its natural history and a circumstantial account of its plantations and agriculture in general, with the civil, ecclesiastical, and commercial state of the country, the manners of the inhabitants, and several curious and important remarks on various subjects. Now, if that's not a cool title, I don't know what is, but um, I just thought that was worth sharing um, in, in exactitude. So, um, so here's, um, here's uh, what Calm had to say about, um, about the amazing Eastern gray squirrel. So first, um, Ken Frank kind of, you know, sets up the, sets the tone for, for the, the quote from Calm. So governments in Pennsylvania posted squirrel bounties of three pence per head. Um, oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you, this was because um, there were, uh, the, the squirrels, the uncanny creatures that they are, um, realized that there was a lot of corn around and they, um, they, uh, even though Pennsylvania is loaded with all these different nut trees, um, they, uh, you know, we all, we all have a sweet tooth for corn and they're no exception. So they started devastating corn crops. So, you know, all of a sudden, um, the government put a bounty on them. So back to that. Governments in Pennsylvania posted squirrel bounties of three pence per head. In 1749, they paid out 8,000 pounds, um, equivalent in bounties to 640,000 dead squirrels. Bounty hunting became so lucrative that young men abandoned employment to shoot squirrels. After payouts exhausted local treasuries, governments in Pennsylvania reduced the bounty by half. In other colonies, the squirrel bounty was two pence. In Maryland, mandates required every citizen to present to colonial officials four squirrel heads annually. So let me now read to you how Calm described how adept squirrels were at evading their shooters. And if you now hear some thunder in the background, I've just been treated to a couple um, bolts of lightning and I'm starting to hear thunder roll in. So that's pretty cool. Here goes Calm. Though a gray squirrel does not seem to be very shy, yet is very difficult to kill. For when it perceives a man, it climbs upon a tree and commonly chooses the highest about it. It then tries to hide itself behind the trunk so that the shooter may not see it. And though he goes ever so fast around the tree, yet the squirrel changes its place as quickly, if not quicker. If two bows bend towards each other, the squirrel lies in the middle of them and presses itself so close that it is hardly visible. You may then shake the tree, throw sticks and stones to the place where it lies, or shoot at it, yet it will never stir. If three branches join, it takes refuge between them and lies as close to them as possible, and then it is sufficiently safe. Sometimes it escapes on a tree where there are old nests of squirrels or of large birds. It slips into such and cannot he get he I'm sorry and cannot be got out either by shooting, throwing, or anything else. For the gray squirrels seldom leap from one tree to another except when extreme danger compels them. So that's Calm writing about how how inventive squirrels are in, in, in figuring out ways to protect themselves from guns. And think about this, 1749, um, it's not like they uh, had the benefit of evolving over time um, with guns all around them. So pretty interesting 
um, anecdote from, from Kelm. But Kelm also said, notes that in, in, in spite of all this persecution, um, that, 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 uh, that there's also affection for squirrels and that they also can be kept for pets. So here he goes on that subject. Of all the wild animals in this country, squirrels are some of the easiest to tame, especially when they are taken young for that purpose. I have seen them tamed so far that they would follow the boys into the woods and run about everywhere, and when tired would sit on their shoulders. Sometimes they only ran a little way into the woods and then returned home again to the little hole that had been fitted up for them. When they eat, they sit almost upright, hold their food between their forefeet and their tail bent upward. When the tame ones got more than they could eat at a time, they carried the remainder to their habitations and hid it amongst the wool that they lay upon. Such tame squirrels showed no fear of strangers and would suffer themselves to be touched by everybody without offering to bite. They sometimes would leap upon strangers' clothes and lie still on them in order to sleep. In the farmhouses where they were kept, they played with cats and dogs. So that's Calm noting how friendly and how um, tame squirrels could be. But if we look around us today, we know that, that squirrels do abound. And so they're, um, you know, compared to some other animals that have, uh, that, that, that were not aware of humans until humans came and they were pretty docile, such as like the dodo bird, um, squirrels still have kept their that mistrust that, that, um, that is linked to their survival. They're, they don't just take it for granted that anybody's gonna make a, like a nice pet out of them. And so um, I thought it would be interesting to share um, a little bit about, um, about Ken Frank's own um, interactions with squirrels, he and his wife. And that's basically how he writes his books. He does a lot of this great natural history research, but he also then shares a lot of his own observations. And, um, and he comments about how squirrels have been, again, very resourceful, and they use the parks around us, you know, for, for where they live. You know, a park like Rittenhouse Square is graced with a decent amount of oak trees. And so there's, you know, so squirrels have found residence in places like Rittenhouse and um, where, where, where there's oak trees. And on top of that, they've learned that if they play their cards right, um, people will give them food as well. So they can do quite well in, um, you know, in the uh, gray, gray infrastructure laden streets of, um, of, Philadelphia, of Center City, Philadelphia. But uh, in writing about the squirrel's personality, um, Ken Frank, you know, talks a little bit about um, some interaction that he and his wife had with a particular squirrel, which kind of represents the way they kind of are, are always calculating whether they can trust a human or not. So here he goes on that. The gray squirrel may misjudge its welcome and crawl too close to a visitor in Rittenhouse Square, but it can sense hostility and withdraw. It is skilled at calibrating an optimal stance, be it hiding behind a tree or soliciting a handout. Its treatment of people as patrons or predators matches people's treatment of it. Downtown, its way with people may be the gray squirrel's greatest strength. Recently, my wife and I observed squirrels in Rittenhouse Square where feeding animals is forbidden, but tolerated if the offering consists of only a single peanut. As we approached squirrels, they ignored us or scampered off. Extending her hand, holding a peanut, my wife caught the attention of one squirrel foraging beneath shrubbery behind a low garden fence. Through the bars of the fence, it eyed the nut, but did not budge. 
She backed off, holding the nut toward it, but the squirrel stayed behind the bars. She then placed the nut on the sidewalk, but kept a finger on the nut. The squirrel crept toward the nut, but stopped a meter shy. Finally, she stepped back and the squirrel inched forward. It hesitated, reversed course, then continued, paused again, and eventually crawled just within reach of the nut. With all four feet on the pavement, it craned its neck forward, grabbed the nut in its teeth, and scampered off. So, um, you know, so that was a, a fun encounter that uh, the, the uh, um, couple of Ken Frank and his wife um, had, and uh, that, that he that he chooses to end his um, his his chapter um, with. So, um, so again, uh, you know, squirrels are definitely no strangers to to this city environment. Here's another uh, example of, of how amazingly adaptable and intelligent squirrels really are. Um, there's an there's a, um, online website called animalfactsencyclopedia.com. And according to that website, in high traffic urban areas, um, squirrels have been observed waiting at crosswalks with pedestrians. And then what they do is they, 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 they wait for the, uh, the pedestrians to start moving in the street when it's safe to cross, I guess, when the light changes. And that's, and that's when the squirrels um, cross, as soon as they see people start stepping off of the curb. So again, um, you know, as, as cities have grown, squirrels have somehow figured out a way to, 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 to live within the city um, instead of being extirpated um, from the city. So, we probably all realize that squirrels and nuts kind of go hand in hand. In fact, squirrels have a fascinating relationship with nuts. So naturally, squirrels live in hardwood or mixed forests uh, that, that contain nut trees. You know, among these right now, which, which are still in our forests, um, oaks, which uh, there's, there's several species of oaks in, in Philly forests, which make acorns or produce acorns. Hickory trees um, produce hickory nuts, beech nuts are another food favorite, and then black walnut. Um, so squirrels are eaters of tree nuts, and that's, that's, you know, that is their preferred food. They'll uh, dig in your garden and try to find bulbs and the like, and they'll eat any, you know, like, like other smart animals, if there's food out there um, that they think is edible, they're gonna, they're gonna eat that too. Um, they'll eat the popcorn out of your popcorn bag and, and you know, and things like that, but they're, they're, Naturally speaking, they're nut eaters, and they've evolved with, uh, you know, with the trees in the forest. So, um, so here's what typically happens. A squirrel finds a nut, and then the squirrel is known for not eating the nut on the spot. It's, no, it's known for storing that nut somewhere else, and um, so it can come back and, uh, and, and later have food when, um, when acorns are not dropping acorns all over. Oh, I'm sorry, when oaks are not dropping their acorns everywhere. So what, what a squirrel will typically do is pick up an acorn or a walnut or whatever the nut might be, and then, and then go to a new spot. And then there, they bury it in the new spot. So get this, some um, information that I, that I found suggests that sometimes when squirrels feel that they're being watched, they'll actually fake burying nuts somewhere. So they'll dig a little hole with their paws and tamp it down again and they'll and they'll act like they're and they're they're burying a nut, and if you would dig down there, they were they were just mimicking that because they 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 were they didn't want somebody to see where they were hiding their uh, 
their acorn or their walnut. And, um, and uh, you know, so they, they, they've been observed um, exercising subterfuge. But, um, but in general, they'll take a nut and they'll move and they'll take it away from the tree in which it fell and they'll bury it somewhere else. So usually the depth that they bury that to is about, you know, the top of the nut might just be no more than a quarter inch or so deep. So what that does is if that nut does not get eaten by a squirrel or some uh, observer of the squirrel who's trying to steal its food, um, you know, that can lead to frequent germination um, and, and, and hence a, uh, you know, a, a new tree seedling. Um, it is true also that sometimes the squirrel, and I don't know what makes them do this versus not do it, but sometimes they'll bite off the germinating end of an acorn so that, it, so that it'll stay there and it absolutely won't germinate. But when you think about this, squirrels are aiding our forests in an amazing way. Um, think about the size of an acorn. Think about the size of a black walnut. Um, they fall off the tree, they roll, and they might hit the ground and they, and they can roll a little bit. But, um, but, but evolution is all about diversity. And so um, you know, the more you can get you know, an acorn from one tree and have that acorn be, be planted somewhere far off away from that tree, um, especially if that's a strong tree, it's nice to get its progeny, you know, somewhere else. So they're, so they're mixing things up in the forest. And, um, and I also like, you know, how smart can they be with a walnut sized grain? But um, I was thinking, you know, like what, it, it's almost as if they're saying, hey, you know what? Some of these nuts I'm gonna eat, some I'm gonna forget, or I'm gonna let them germinate, but these I'm gonna knock the uh, germinating end off of, and, um, and I'm gonna eat them myself. But I know, I got to keep making, somebody has to keep planting trees in the forest, right? Might as well be me. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to leave some of these to, to germinate. So, but here's the deal. 85% is the number that I've seen through a couple resources. Um, that's about the, the rate of nuts that squirrels actually recover. And um, regardless of how they do that, they have a very, very strong sense of smell. There could be a foot or more of snow and they can, and they can you know, sense that there's an acorn below that, dig through the snow, dig through the frozen ground and find that nut. But, uh, but is it memory or is it um, that, that, that's, that's helping them find their nuts or, or is it just sense of smell? So I found two conflicting um, pieces of, uh, of research that, that are pretty interesting. There's a cool field guide to mammals put out by the National Audubon Society. And so they indicate that it's pretty much a, um, you know, a sensory thing. Um, they said, according, according to this field guide, nuts that were buried by scientists conducting an experiment were recovered by squirrels at about the same rate as the nuts that they buried themselves, which indicated that memory is not involved in the recovery of nuts. So that's, you know, so if you look at that field guide, which is a pretty um, well-researched field guide, that's, you know, that's what you'll find amongst the uh, other facts about Eastern Gray Squirrel. But check this out. That same animal fact encyclopedia that I referenced before, um, according, according to their research, squirrel brains expand each year around the fall when it's time to start burying nuts. So what they're saying is that their hippocampus, which is the structure in the brain that's critical for memory, it appears to change by the season. And so the, the hippocampus develops more neuron activity 
and even expands in size in the fall, which is the exact time that, that, that uh, squirrels begin caching nuts in the forest. So, you know, which, which is it? Is it, um, you know, is, is it an uncanny memory? Or is it, is, it, is it just typically their sense of smell and there's so many squirrels bearing nuts all over the place and, they, and all they really need to do is sniff them out and 85% of uh, the nuts that get buried, get, they get unburied by, by a squirrel and, you know, at some point. But either way, think about this. Each squirrel might, on average, collect and hide about 1,000 nuts each season. So say, that's, say that number is about accurate. Assume 85% recovery, whether it's from smell or memory or sense of direction or whatever, um, assume that that 85% number is a pretty good number. That would mean that like for every squirrel, 150 new seedlings could potentially emerge, right? So 80, 850 nuts get eaten, enough to keep that squirrel well fed through the winter. Um, but how cool would that be if, you know, if there's the potential for 150 new seedlings planted by a squirrel. You know, there's all kinds of these movements that, you know, we got to plant trees and New York wants to plant a million trees and all that. Do the math. If you have each, if you know that each squirrel out there is planting 150 trees a year, um, tell, me a, tell me a human that's doing more civic duty than, than, a, than a typical squirrel. So forest regeneration um, is largely a result of the behavior um, of, of, uh, of squirrels. And so, you know, when, when you're thinking about eastern deciduous forest, which is what we are all part of, whether it feels that way or not, depending on where you live, um, the, uh, the, the eastern gray squirrel is truly a forest ally. And, um, you know, unfortunately, we can't say that about all of the uh, species within our forest, including some of the, um, you know, the, the, the native species. And what the, one of the most beautiful species that I just feel terrible for because it's not the species fault um, for the impact that it, the negative impact it has on, on forests is the, uh, is, is, is the white-tailed deer. And so, um, you know, the white-tailed deer is, is, is a topic for ecological meandering and mind meandering all unto itself. Um, but, you know, but so many people associate negativity with this beautiful animal, the deer. And, uh, and, and did, we, did we ever stop to think about like, you know, it's like, why has the deer, you know, become you know, su such a nemesis to so many people? Um, well, it's what, what, it, what have we done over time? We fragmented our forests and deer feel much more comfortable in your backyard with vegetation where they can kind of judge distances and all that, or our typical forests of Philadelphians and the suburbs which are basically fragmented forests. They're not deep, dense forests. Um, White-tailed deer do excellently well in there um, navigating the land. And on top of that, we basically killed off all of their natural predators so that we've, um, we've left them with cars as one of their big predator and um, sharpshooters when, we, uh, you know, when a park um, has the, uh, the authorization to go in at night and do sharpshooting to try to cull the herd. But that's, you know, that's whose fault is that? The deer's just being resilient and smart and, and, um, and, and eating what's in its midst. But the fact that it doesn't have any um, higher level um, predators um, enables it to kind of like, you know, be the vegetation king or queen um, of our forests, let alone our backyards. 
And, uh, you know, it's a good thing that the squirrel has natural enemies. Okay. So, um, red tail hawks is, is a, is maybe the primary uh, predator of squirrels, but there's other hawks, there's other, um, you know, owls, there's birds, other, you know, a few other birds of prey that'll, uh, make, make food out of, uh, out of squirrels. And, um, and, and, and there are snakes that are that are adept enough to 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 catch a squirrel. Um, you know, there, there, there's other small mammals that are that are at times will also uh, you know like a fox can can catch a squirrel. Um, so um, so there's balance, and that's actually good for the squirrel because you don't have squirrels compete over competing with each other. It's great for our forests because if um you know if you had a, an overabundance of of, of squirrels. You know, would, would there be, you know, what, what would happen to our acorns? Because it's not just the acorns need to get planted, but squirrels are just one example of an animal that, that eats acorns. Everybody eats acorns. Everybody eats, you know, if, 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 if you're a healthy human being who doesn't, who's not allergic to tree nuts, you might not want to eat acorns. They're kind of bitter. Um, we don't really have a, uh, a, an affinity for them as much, but we can eat, we certainly would eat black walnuts. We could eat beech nuts hickory nuts, but also, um, you know, but, but, but animals in general, um, omnivore, carnivore, or vegetarian, they just, um, they will, they will, most, most of them will stop and eat, a ma you know, from a mast of acorns if, uh, if they happen to be passing through. And so, um, you know, so it's, it's really a beneficial thing that, that squirrels do have not an overabundance, but they have, they have some top of the food chain predators that kind of keep them in check. And then they're able to kind of keep the forests in check. So, um, so, so, eastern gray squirrel is an absolute ally of the uh, of, of our eastern deciduous forest. So, I wanted to, um, as uh, as I enjoy the uh, the light rain around me, um, it's a good time for me to just share some personal connections that I've had over the years with uh, eastern gray squirrels. So, first off. I really think that they're amazing calculators of situations. It's my, by the way, this is not scientific. This is my own observation of squirrels over the years. But I believe that there are few, fewer right now that you find run over by cars than in the past. Um, there might be more cars on the road, but I really think, um, I, I remember a time when it was just, I, you, know, you know, especially in the fall when they're, when they're, when they're scurrying about, um, you know, to, to, to do their nut caching, you know, they're everywhere. Later on, they, they, they do their mating thing in the, in the winter. Um, but, uh, you know, but at some of their most active times, I remember times in, you know, it, you just would be passing bloody squirrels left and right. And um, I find it pretty unusual. And, 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 and maybe a quarter of the, of the time that I, that in, in my neighborhood, I see a dead squirrel it looks like it was a youngster that maybe fell out of the nest, you know, which is really sad, but you just don't find them run over. At least I don't as, as much as I believe, um, you know, they used to, they used to be run over. And I, I really think that they, that, that, that they have figured out how, how to, how to become better calculators of distance and, and movement and the like over the years. Um, I, remember one time I was just like, I pulled up in my driveway. I'm looking at the roof. There's a squirrel on the roof. And I'm telling you that squirrel, it was almost like um, it had a, uh, a level in its hand or something like an engineer. It was, it was calculating, I believe it was calculating whether it could make it from my roof to a branch that was, that was 
hanging over the roof, but it, but it wasn't, it wasn't like a, uh, as good a leap, by the way, squirrels are amazing leapers. If we could leap like squirrels, um, it, it, um, the equivalent that they can leap, we would literally be able to leap tall buildings like Superman. Um, They're just amazing at, at leaping. Um, but anyway, I'm telling you that that squirrel was trying to figure out, can I make it, can I not, can I make it, can I not? And, um, and, I, and I've seen several instances where it really looks like they're just, they're, they're, they're like, they're calculating, they're like engineers, can I do this, can I make it, you know, that kind of thing. Um, they, they're, they're out and about, they're getting um, chased by dogs, by people, by kids. They're having to figure out, is this person friendly? Person might look friendly, but I'm not quite sure. And, um, you know, they do stuff like um, they can run headfirst down a tree trunk. You know, I don't know of um, any or many other, other uh, mammals or, or animals that, that, that are able to, like, you know, run. They have these um, double-jointed ankles or something that, that enables them to, like, not just run up the tree, but they can run down the tree. And it's, just, uh, it's just remarkable. But, um, you know, so they have these amazing abilities to jump. Their tail it can be used as a guide. Their tail just a, basically has like a life of its own. Um, it, it alarms. Uh, it, it, can, it can make them look fierce and even scare off a rattlesnake, you know. But the tail helps them glide. But the thing is, like, it's, it's as if they, ha they know they have these amazing tools, like their double-jointed ankles and their tail and, and, um, and, 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 and claw. They, they also have some other thing where they can kind of make their claws kind of go the other way. So they can do all these amazing things, but at the same time, it, it doesn't, view, I don't view it necessarily as 100% instinct. I really do think that they've adapted suburban and, and urban environments over time. So, so it's, it's as if we can watch their evolution in real time. So that's, that's my, my uh, utter respect that I have for my neighbors, the squirrels. Um, the other, another uh, thing that, I, that I've thought of is squirrels have this, this, this relationship with red-tailed hawks not one that they're fond of it's an important relationship um but uh being being basically their primary predator um you know a red-tailed hawk is a uh, is a key species you know when it comes to you know coexisting squirrels and um by the way i i think that uh that hawks are another thing red tails specifically that could be a uh, topic unto themselves they're they're yet another amazing native creature um one that i identify with quite readily um and uh you know i i've i've often thought when i kind of make eyes at a hawk you know either way above me making that 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 cry um that you hear up up above that there's nothing like the like, like that cry of a hawk that can get deep down into your soul um and they just and they're just looking down upon us as we do our thing and they can kind of sit off aloof i've i, I just in a lot of ways identify with how cool it might be to be a red-tailed hawk. So, you know, my next life, if I could choose an animal, um, you know, red tail would be pretty cool. But, um, you know, more on that maybe on another podcast. But, uh, but red tails like to eat squirrels. So I was um, heading into the upper part of the Wissahickon Park, you know, one morning. And I was treated to, you know, as, as amazing as hawks are, it flying high up above us with nothing in their way other than like drafts of wind. Um, they are really agile flying in the forest itself. So, you know, some, some birds would try to like fly fast in, in the forest and they'd hit a tree and break their neck. Not so with the red tailed hawk. They, they can really maneuver deftly through, through the trees. 
And so I was getting ready to take a run on the path. And um, lo and behold, I see this, this hawk just maneuvering, you know, at almost like, you know, maybe a foot or two above me through the trees. And I'm like, ah, oh, you know, how cool. That's all. That's all. I saw that. Next, I don't know, second, five seconds, I don't remember what it was. But, but not, not too long after that, all of a sudden, the forest became alive in like a chirping noise kind of a thing. Basically, squirrels were talking to one another. Squirrels have this amazing way of communicating. And, um, and so it was clear to me that some squirrel realized what was going on here, realized there was danger in the midst, and, and started warning the other squirrels, which then I assume started warning the other squirrels. But you could feel the communication all about. You could feel the suspense. I'm telling you that the, the tone of the forest changed as you kept hearing this, I mean, it was just kind of like eerie to be in that forest at that time, but it just lives with me. I'll just never forget that, you know, that day where the, uh, the hawk just, you know, did its thing, you know, whether it grabbed a squirrel or not, I don't know. I didn't see it do so, but, um, but basically um, it was as if the trees were talking and they, they, they were, but it was really the squirrels doing the talking. So very cool stuff. And then um, I thought of this, uh, this sad moment I had I was on a business trip or something um, a few years back, and I was sitting in this park in Washington, D.C. And um, you know, I sat down, I guess, to do some work or eat some lunch or whatever I was doing. And I had, I had arrived just after, I, I realized, a hawk had killed a squirrel. And um, so on the ground next to a tree, and I'm talking about like one of those, you know, medium-sized, scrawny-ish looking trees that you, you know, that you might put on Washington's mall or something like that. Um, there was a, the, the, the hawk was on the ground, um, you know, with its prey, but, um, but next to that hawk was the tree from which I, uh, I'm 99% sure, um, that that hawk nabbed from that tree is, is where that hawk nabbed the squirrel that, that uh, he had just started to eat. And, um, and, and so here, here you have, this bloody squirrel um, on the ground, but in the tree, the saddest song. And I'm telling you, it was just crying as it, almost as if it was human, but there, there was in the tree, what I assume was the mate of that dead squirrel. And she, he or she was just, just mourning. I mean, it was, I, I don't remember whether tears came out of my eyes or, they, or I had to hold them back, but it was just, it was just heart-wrenching. So I'm like sitting there, and, 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 and you just hear like, it, it, it's, you know, like as if, you know, you know, one spouse lost its soulmate. And, um, you know, so you hear this, this squirrel just um, crying and crying and mourning. Um, and again, it was just such a sad, sad occasion. And then on top of that, though, to kind of make things like a little worse, it, it also was, was, was of sorts an awkward moment because it, it was almost like dark humor. The hawk could not get airborne again. It was trying to lift off and carry its prey elsewhere um, to take it wherever, you know, you know, maybe feed its young. And, um, and it couldn't get off the ground. So it's like trying to fly and maybe the squirrel was too heavy for it. And um, so here you have, and, and, the, and the morning did not cease. So here you have this, this you know, again, the, uh, the hawk just, you know, working with its quarry, um, dragging it, dragging it, dragging it prolonging the agony of the whole situation while the mate 
wasn't going to run out of that tree, but that mate could not control his or her emotions. So again, another squirrel memory etched. Another cool thing about squirrels to me is a more lighthearted um, thing is when you find a black squirrel. And so you might have been fortunate enough to, to spot a black squirrel here or there. You know, I, I love, uh, like, you know, black's one of my favorite colors, and I think it really makes you look sporty when you, uh, when you, when you dress in black. And squirrels are no exception. I'm not a gray guy. Um, I think they're pretty squirrels. Um, I love the, the, the red coat of a red squirrel, by the way. But gray squirrels, I love their personalities, but, you know, gray's not my first choice of dress. And um, it's not my first, my favorite color for uh, for squirrel color, but um, but a black squirrel is not a different species. It's the eastern gray squirrel. Um, it's it's what's called a melanistic um, variety, and uh, and so squirrels actually can come out brown. They can come out white or albino. Um, but um, I did find out that um, that 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 melanistic or black squirrels tend to be more common in 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 a in, in northern areas. And so what I was thinking about was a long time ago. Um, I remember I had, to, I had a business trip in Toronto and I was sitting out in a, uh, in a park, you know, like a Rittenhouse Square. And in Toronto at the time, and I assume it's the case still, the, the park was alive with squirrels and they were all black squirrels. And I was just like, I was thinking, oh my God, this is the coolest thing. I wish we had black squirrels out our way. They were just everywhere. And I always, I always remember when I think of Toronto, um, I don't think of a lot. Um, it was a, to me, it was like a big American city. It just happened to be located in Canada. Um, had some cool things about it, but I remember those black squirrels, um, you know, uh, you know, just um, in their black splendor being everywhere. And, um, and then so, you know, I did read something that indicated that um, it's possible that, that um, the black squirrels, you know, also have some better adaptation to cold weather. Um, if that's, you know, that, that well makes sense, um, considering that they were, certainly abundant in, um, in Toronto. There's a place that um, over the years, I've seen black squirrels um, somewhat frequently, and there's the lower portion of the, of the uh, Wissahickon Park. It's actually on the, on, the, uh, on the portion that runs alongside Lincoln Drive. Um, it's, it's, it's where the uh, Forbidden Drive turns into an asphalt pathway, not nearly uh, as soft as the uh, cinders of, of um, Forbidden Drive. And, um, and I believe there it's called Wissahickon Drive. But, uh, but I, I've often found, you know, one or two black squirrels, you know, amidst the gray squirrels. For the most part, I don't really think they like to hang with each other that much. I also, unconfirmed, but I've also heard that, you know, gray squirrels tend to be a little more um, domineering when, 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 when black squirrels are about. Um, um, but sometimes you do see them coexist. But it's a treat whenever I see a black squirrel. And so... I also think of squirrels sometimes as like um, partners of mine in a certain way. Um, so like, you know, more so than just neighbors of mine in my um, suburban backyard, um, I, I kind of feel like they're my secret backyard partner. You know, I'm looking out on my uh, backyard now and I can actually see some of the sneakiness that squirrels and I have been up to. So um, I have had this running battle with my family, essentially my wife, um, because like if it were up to me, you know, we got about an acre in the burbs. And um, I'm really proud of the fact that when we moved in here, there was like no trees on our land. People, uh, you know, above, before us prided themselves, I guess, on the old, you know, 
American lawn. And so, um, you know, and so now, you know, my landscape is loaded with trees and shrubs and, and meadow plants and the like, you know, just me doing my native plant thing. But um, if it were up to me, I would, I would not mow at all because my yard clearly wants to become Eastern deciduous forest. That's what it used to be anyway. So this past year, um, you know, under the uh, auspices of saying I wanted to try to save us some money, um, I went out and I bought a high-end manual push mower and said, hey, you know what? We're gonna save on our lawn service and um, I'm gonna like get more intimate with my uh, backyard and front yard and I'm gonna, I'm gonna mow my acre and uh, try to mow an acre with a manual push mower, um, good blade or not, you know, it, it's a workout. Um, but I made it my, uh, you know, my mission. But what I really didn't tell everybody, but then it finally became evident was, it was my opportunity to skirt around the new seedlings that came up. And so, um, but, but I, was, I was basically, dis, you, know, my, uh, you know, my sneakiness was, it didn't take long for that to be discovered because after a while, what, what, what starts happening, it wasn't just oaks, you know, there's red maples and ash trees and, and the like that, that start coming up in my lawn. And so here I am letting them come up. So you'd see these little pockets of a tree coming up and a little bit of like longer lawn around it. And um, finally, um, my wife was on to me. But then I also, in one quarter of the backyard, I decided, you know what, I'm just not going to mow here. There's all these oak seedlings coming up. I'm going to leave them alone. And so to this day, like now, we're, now I'm just like, you know, it's, it's just a battle. And she's like, you're going to go and you're going to like, you got to mow that area. It looks terrible. Ooh, listen to that rain. Um, and I'm like, you know what, um, I, I, you know, I'll, I'll knock some other areas out, but, um, but I want, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm letting them grow. But, but the point here is squirrels truly bury a lot of nuts and they clearly forget a lot about where they, where they bury them. Because if I really had my way in my yard, um, my yard would just be, you know, a future oak forest for ab in absolute certainty. But I have, um, I've, I have way more than, you know, I got probably 200, I'm telling you. There's areas in my yard that are in the shade. So those trees, unless some other trees fall, might not ever really get very tall. But I'm telling you, I got like oaks coming up like crazy. I just don't have the heart to, to knock them down, um, let alone when I'm mowing grass, which I don't even believe in. But anyway, um, my partner, the squirrels, um, you know, there's the, they planted the oak trees. I'm the one that's just trying to battle with my family to let them grow. Um, but, uh, but anyway, my, oak, my yard wants to be an oak forest. And then um, one other thing that, that I thought it was cool to share is I also view um, squirrels as our partners in novel ecosystems. Um, another way of looking at that is like some of the wonderful areas of spontaneous nature that you can find, um, you know, throughout our city. One of my favorite places, literally, you know, it has to be in the top five, if not top two, um, of, of favorite places in the entire city is the Reading Viaduct. And again, top, could be a topic on its own, the Reading Viaduct, in brief, if you're not sure where it is. It's this amazing remnant of industry and, and railroad times, but the Reading Railroad basically would come into Center City and, and, and the last half mile or so was on this thing that runs from Fairmount Avenue, um, basically along 9th Street to the Reading Terminal, which uh, many of us have um, had lunch at. So, um, 
Reading Railroad, long time ago, went out of business. SEPTA and Amtrak and all those, you know, it took over the, the, the lines of Reading and Pennsylvania um, railroads. But, um, but in, in, in 1984, the, um, the city built the commuter tunnel. And it basically, like at the flick of a switch, an electric switch, the Reading Viaduct became obsolete, out of commission in 1984. And ever since that time, this, this, um, this raised trestle, um, you know, viaduct um, ha has been sitting, slowly decaying. And I know because I happened to co-lead a, a botanical survey of the area a few years ago, um, out of just rail bed has grown over 75 plant, you know, different species of plants. I'm telling you, it's an utter one wonderland of spontaneous nature upon that Reading viaduct. But uh, enough on the viaduct because again I could just go off on 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 that. Um, call, fl flick us a note at Land Health if you want a tour of it, and um, and we'll just put it on the we'll put it on the schedule. I'm, I've led my share of tours of the uh, Reading Viaduct. But anyway, um, back to squirrels growing throughout a few different areas of this viaduct, and 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 think about what if you've ever walked on railroad tracks, what does that look like? It's um. You know, you have, you have wooden ties and you have basically like you got packed together, you know, rocks, medium sized rocks. And, um, you know, and then, the, and then the rails and the ties are laid on, on, on into and on top of that. So that's that's all that's that's up on a on a on a on any kind of a, a railroad setup. And so nobody puts soil up there. And so um, except when plants found their way there and some dust got up there and then plants started to decay you now have about 35 or whatever it goes back to the 1984. Um, you got, you know, several decades of soil um, that, that's been produced just by the, by the happenings that have, you know, that have taken place since 84. But get this, at least three species, but from my memory of oak trees are growing relatively healthily up on, on the Reading Viaduct. And I remember um, discovering red oak in several places pin oak and also an unusual tree that you would that I would have ever expected to find up there willow oak so three species at least of oak trees are growing up on the Reading viaduct and a couple of them you know have hit a height of close to like 15 or so feet maybe 20 they're not small anymore and so there's only one way those trees got got up there no human took a shovel and tried to dig within the rocks I'm telling you Squirrels can move, they're, they're, they're strong, you know, pound for pound or ounce for ounce. They're pretty strong and they got those, you know, they, they got strong claws. They, they move rocks around and they, and they, you know, when you're a city squirrel and you want to bury your nuts somewhere and you can't find any real good soil to do it, I guess, you know, going up on a viaduct where not, not as many, um, you know, people can come at you um, and, and, and burying your nuts up there might just look like a good as any place for them. And to them, they're thinking, because I do kind of think they think, maybe they're thinking, hey, there's not a lot of soil here. These things won't germinate anyway. I, they'll, they'll be here for me. But sure enough, you have oak trees growing on the viaduct. That just in, in a word is, is amazing. So, so again, you, know, you only can have squirrels to thank for that phenomenon. So just um, stepping back, tying things up, going back to that idea of neighbors, um, you know, a lot of us, it, 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 like all of us probably, we, 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 we tend, there's always things in our lives that we take for granted. And, um, you know, and squirrels, depending on who you are, 
you know, they, they, they might be one of those things. Some of you might not like them because they made their way into your attic or something, or, or they bit through a line and caused the power outage or something. But, but um, let me ask you this. Would, would you miss your squirrel neighbors if they were gone? You know, I can tell you the forests would. I think a lot of the suburbs would as well. I know I would. And, um, you know, but, uh, but just, but, but at the same time, you know, like, like, think about that, you know, are, are you aware of them as, as, uh, as, as neighbors? And, um, you know, but, uh, you, know, you know, given what you have already l known about them and what you would, might have picked up on this podcast, you know, or, you know, what do you think? Would, would you miss these guys if they were, if they weren't there? And then, you know, just to, in, in closing, I was thinking, you know, as this depressing pandemic, and by the way, it is just flat out depressing. You know, I, I, I am, I'm, I have, what do you call it, zoomitis or zoomatitis or something, because I teach, and um, even though I still do a lot outdoors, um, I just, I just can't stand this whole Zoom world that we're in. Um, but uh, you know, thinking about it as this, you know, it's, it's depressing. You know, back to school and all this pandemic situation, it just has no end in sight, and it's, it's a gloomy, gloomy uh, time for us. Um, and, and as this carries on, we really do need, let's admit it, we need other sources of connection, other sources of stimulation. And, um, you know, it might not be the, 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 the same as a human being, but, you know, regardless of where you live, if you just only look a little bit, you're bound to meet up with a squirrel or two. Okay. And, um, you know, that, like, think about that, you know, um, you know, Squirrels on their own have an uncanny sense of social distancing. I mean, just listen to, uh, you know, to, to Ken Frank um, talking about the little dance um, between his wife and, uh, and the, well, I guess it was mostly the squirrel and, and her finger on the nut. But if that's not, you know, if that's not a social distance calculation, I don't know what it is. Um, but it's a cool kind, you know. And, um, you know, and, and so that, that's the kind of thing that you might want to think about, because like, where do we get that connection? You know, the cool thing with uh, connecting with the squirrels is uh, no masks are required, no hand sanitizer or the like, um, you know, so, um, so consider them, you know, as, as your neighbors, if you never consider them as your neighbors, you know, think of them as your new neighbors and, and, and see what, uh, you know, see what you discover just by, um, just by being more aware. So I'll leave you with that thought. and. Um, Maybe we'll uh, um, pick up, and we'll definitely pick up in a week. And um, and if I can play it right, I'll um, I'll try to do so from the Atlantic Ocean, where um, we're just alongside it. Enjoy the week, and look forward to our next um, you know exploration of ecosystems, both external and within the mind. See you later.